New administration, new themes for markets. Here's what matters. Live from our respective coronavirus social distancing outposts, I'm Lauren Goodwin. And I'm Robert Sarenbetz. And this is Market Matters from New York Life Investments. In this podcast, we, the strategists at New York Life Investments, will share insights from the multi-asset solutions team. What we think matters as we manage investment solutions. That includes Mainstay's diversified portfolio series, including the Income Builder Fund, as well as bespoke solutions for our partners. By sharing perspectives and engaging with you, our listeners, we can all become better investors. Welcome, everybody. It's the week of February 15, 2021, and today we're going to mix up our format for a conversation on the new administration and what that means for markets. That's right. Instead of breaking up this episode into a conversation and a portfolio pause like we normally do, we're going to come straight at you with seven investment ideas related to the new administration. Now, most administrations begin their terms with energy, and this one has been no exception. (laughs) Yeah. You can say that again. Some of our listeners have submitted questions expressing surprise at executive orders and other priorities. We're here to break down those executive orders and explain exactly what they mean for investors. Now, razor-thin margins in the House and Senate mean that Biden and Democrats generally won't have full reign to pursue the more expansive aspects of Biden's campaign. That said, we do expect some major changes in the next four years, and that will have implications for investments. So let's get right to them. Our team has thought a lot about these themes, and so the way we'll share them with you today is for Lauren to explain the theme itself, and then I'll explain the investment idea. Does that work? Absolutely. It's a a classic laundry list, but we promise it's more fun than it sounds. Ready? Oh, I'm ready. All right. Well, our first theme has to do with more fiscal spending. We expect Democrats to move two tranches of spending this year, COVID relief, which is already underway, and a build back better infrastructure package later in the year. This is good news for investors in 2021. A quicker return to trend economic growth contributes to stronger earnings for companies and by extension, stronger results for risk assets. With interest rates due to stay low for the foreseeable future, for reasons we've talked about before in this program, we don't see the debt component as being a relevant risk for the near term. That's a great point. There's an investment-related point to be made here about whether this fiscal spending is too much and could overheat the economy as well. And frankly, we won't know until we know how quickly the economy can get back up and running once we get vaccinated. It really depends on how long the virus is with us. If the virus is with us for another, say, six months, which is about the the base case scenario, then perhaps the spending will be too much. But that's not the case, then it may not be enough. And so Based on how things are going so far, I expect the government to play it safe rather than sorry, going with a bigger number, closer to one and a half to perhaps the full 1.9 trillion. It's just easier to manage an overheating economy than trying to pick up a bruised one. Yeah. And related to this trend that you were just talking about, investors who are expecting economic growth to improve typically consider cyclical asset classes those assets that tend to benefit as the economy gains momentum. In this case, that means small caps versus large cap stocks, value stocks that trade at a discount versus growth stocks that have high growth expectations, and then also some regional preference like international equities, dividend-focused equities, and 
bank loans, for example. Our guest, Adam Schreier, a few weeks back talked all about that. Shout out to Adam. All right. Awesome. So that's that was theme one, the fiscal spending and the related economic growth and cyclical asset classes. Our second theme is infrastructure. I just mentioned two tranches of expected fiscal spending. The second tranche is likely to focus on infrastructure, which includes surface infrastructure, roads, for example, but also research and development and technology and broadband access and alternative energy, new types of infrastructure. And there's no shortage of information that says we need a lot more infrastructure investment in this economy. And there are a lot of different ways to think about that investment from who finances it to who implements it to who benefits from it. And we like to think about capturing this theme in a couple of different ways. One is via infrastructure-focused funds, so direct investment. And the other is through municipal bonds. LG, I believe last week you were saying that the muni space is where a lot of nitty-gritty associated with infrastructure plays out, which is applicable here. One word of caution I will say is that given the substantial changes to state and local finances due to the COVID-19 crisis, active management will be critical in assessing risks and opportunities in this space. Fabulous. Very, very well said, Robert. Now, our third investment idea has to do with higher taxes. And here we get into budget reconciliation. Oh, boy. (laughs) It's high stakes political drama. So in order to use the reconciliation process, which is a budgetary procedural process that Democrats can use to pass policy without needing the full 60 vote majority in the Senate. In order to do that, Democrats will need to finance some of their spending, you guessed it, through tax increases. Now, for the most part, we expect these increases to be modest. We expect to see higher corporate taxes and higher taxes on highest earners, higher marginal tax but to a lesser extent than concerned investors during election season. But more progressive tax schemes, for example, increasing social security taxes on highest earners, those appear less likely to happen in this reconciliation process. Right. That's that's well said. But you did say for the most part there. What what about the other part? Well, A couple of months ago, when thinking about this dynamic, I expected the ability to bring in capital gains taxes to perhaps be a non-issue. But I've changed my tune on this a little bit because a growing desire to curb inequality might mean that capital gains taxes are in play after all. This idea has gained more traction as dynamics in the meme stock madness that we saw a couple weeks ago um, increased attention to the, the real tension between the haves and have-nots in the economy and markets. And I can see why. If you look at the numbers, capital gains and dividend income alone make up 32% of the total income earned by those in the top 1% of earners, compared to just 2% of those in the bottom 80%. So I can see why there's a, an inequality uh, political play to be made there. Yikes. Okay. I, I see what you're saying here. So the, the capital gains tax will feel more targeted towards the wealthy rather than the general public, which makes it a potentially more attractive target if you're trying to address income inequality in society, right? Exactly. And the pros and cons of that can be left for another time. But for investors, 
Look, these proposals are relatively light touch compared to Biden's full proposals, but higher taxes always present a market risk. If tax increases look more likely, then that impacts companies' bottom lines and could trigger market volatility. This could especially affect the stocks that have seen the sharpest capital gains in recent years, which means large cap technology stocks, communication stocks. Uh, those those things might be disproportionately affected. Mm. So some investors are going to be concerned about this dynamic or about potentially higher tax bills and can consider several different ideas here. But I'll I'll mention two in general. First is that there's tax advantage strategies, such as municipal bonds, that are likely to benefit if a capital gains tax rises. Second, an expected tax hike could lead to corporations announcing special dividends ahead of the increased taxes. Investors positioned to capture those gains would see an income increase. Very, very well said once again. Now, moving on to our fourth theme, this is related to the genuine focus that the Biden administration seems to have on environmental protection and climate change. Now, Robert, this is an area where you've been focusing a lot lately. So why don't you explain this one? Uh, Sure. The Biden administration has made it very clear that climate policy will be front and center of their agenda to build America back better, and they're going to do it in a way that makes America greener. They've taken several actions so far. However, most of these steps are regulatory changes and executive orders. They matter, but I think they do fall short of some of investors' fears of urgent and rapid decarbonization of the economy. Got it. So a little easier on investors, maybe not so great for environmentalists. Yeah, exactly. Especially those environmentalists that see the urgent pace that's needed to address climate change. From an investment perspective, though, an investor preference is already rapidly changing towards taking environmental concerns into account. We expect that to accelerate under the new administration. And there's a lot of different ways to implement that idea in a portfolio. Investments that implement ESG analysis or integrate ESG factors is one way. And thematic investments that consider climate change, biodiversity loss, clean, green energy, efficient supply chains, inequality, let's see what else, human health. These are all likely to experience structural tailwinds under this administration's efforts to build the economy back better. What about the energy sector itself, though? And typically, as the economy improved, the traditional fossil fuel-related companies do better because there's more economic activity, and so demand for energy is higher. Will that play out again this time? Uh, Yes, and it, it already started to play out. But also, yes, to green energy here. We do think that value sectors, including energy, cyclical value sectors, are are likely to receive a boost from improving economic growth. Uh, We've seen rising oil prices. We've seen the sector do really well. But we also expect alternative energy technology and corporations that are investing in green energy to benefit from Biden's policy stance. Now, I know that we're going a bit long today, so we'll make these last ones speedy, uh, our last three investment ideas. Our fifth idea is related to healthcare. And here, more of the same. Some definite changes, but not the blue wave changes that some investors feared. Just as an example, Democrats are likely to pass legislation that cuts drug prices significantly. And frankly, that's a bipartisan issue. This was something that was um, on the docket for the Trump administration as well. We also expect to see some higher subsidies for insurance under the Affordable Care Act and expansion of Medicaid. But 
any broader overhauls of the healthcare system, including creating a public option, have very little chance of becoming law with this thin of a margin in both the House and the Senate for Democrats. Interesting. The drug pricing legislation you mentioned, bipartisan, by the way, the Trump administration was also keen on addressing drug prices. So it, is it is likely to be negative for the pharmaceutical sector. Other areas of healthcare maybe are likely to experience positive benefits from expanding health insurance coverage to more Americans. Oh, really interesting. That's a that's a, an interesting split there. Now, our sixth investment idea has to do with regulation, which of course impacts some of the other factors we've already mentioned, like the environment and financial services and healthcare. Biden's cabinet picks point to stronger regulation in areas like this, and especially environmental protection. Consumer protection and data security, I think, will also be top of mind. These changes, though, are are likely to be implemented through rules created by the, the various agencies and enforced by those agencies. So think creating the rules, enforcing the rules, not big sweeping legislation through Congress like we saw in Dodd-Frank. So certainly still matters, this regulation, but again, not uh, not quite as big of a policy change. Right. And that moderate stance will still have several effects on several sectors. But I think the biggest one for investors to focus on is the tech sector. And we've talked about this here on the program before, because It's such an important part of the equity market indices. We think that this will have an effect on investors. And in general, increased scrutiny on the technology sector, particularly trends in social media and data, could reinforce a trend towards small caps or value uh, or international equity over the course of the year. Now... I want to be sure that we mentioned related to technology that tech will continue to play an important role in the economy and investing. So we don't think it makes sense to drop all of your tech investments or to drop all of your large cap stocks. Tech companies are also highly profitable. We're also still in the pandemic and spending a lot of time on Netflix and on our computers. So think of it more as some other companies have the potential to catch up a little bit as these tech companies face potential headline risks rather than it being you know, a, a bad investment for the next five or 10 years. In fact, we're pretty constructive on technology in the long term. Yeah, that's very well said. I think diversification is just the the big takeaway there. All right, we've made it to the home stretch. We have one last idea, LG. Let's bring it home. Go. All right. Our last investment implication of the new administration so far has to do with immigration, a big focus early in the administration. We don't have an immediate investment takeaway for this one, but a streamlined process for including well-educated, tax-paying foreign workers into the U.S. population legally could improve demographics and productivity. Yeah, and those things are super important for long-term economic growth and competitiveness on a regional scale. Well, that's it. Seven priorities the administration's already begun working on and seven investment ideas, maybe a few more in there. Yeah. Whether you like the administration's priorities or not, these are the ways we think they could play out in a portfolio this year. Coming up next, this week I'm watching something a little bit wonkier in the marketplace because of the Fed's activity, some policy changes, banks' activity as well. There's been a lot of demand 
for short-term treasury bills. So much so that the short end of the curve is dipping pretty close to zero. Um, I don't think it'll amount to anything, but there could be a little bit more attention paid to some of the Fed's technical rate setting, the IOER rate in particular. And so if you see something like that in the headlines, just know that any activity there is not related to the Fed's broader QE and monetary accommodation. It's just a a short-term supply issue that they're cleaning up. Wow. Super wonky in an already really long episode, but I think that's really important insight and I'm glad you brought that up. I will keep it simpler with two things that everyone should be watching. The first is just any fiscal stimulus dynamics where the fiscal stimulus package is going to end up will be really important for markets. We talked about that earlier in the program today. The second thing for people to watch is U.S. retail sales for January will be published next week. If you remember back to all the way back to December, which feels like an eternity from now, retail sales did flop in December. So we're looking to see an improvement in that context, given that their fiscal stimulus did come through the pipeline. That's it for today. We'll be back next week for more Market Matters. Let us know what matters to you. If you have a question or topic of interest, reach out to us on social media. That's right. You can send us your questions or highlight what matters to you by finding us on LinkedIn. You can also follow our views on our new website at newyorklifeinvestments.com and clicking insights. Until then, I'm Robert Zarenbetz. And I'm Lauren Goodwin. See you next time. Our podcast is produced by Milo Benamonts, and our music was composed by the fabulous Zach Young. I'll now read our disclosures from compliance. For more information about Mainstay Funds, call 1-800-624-6782 for a prospectus or summary prospectus. Investors are asked to consider the investment objectives, risks, and charges and expenses of the investment carefully before investing. The prospectus or summary prospectus contains this and other information about the investment company. Please read the prospectus or summary prospectus carefully before investing. There's no assurance that the investment objectives will be met. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, which will vary. All investments are subject to market risk and will fluctuate in value. This material represents an assessment of the market environment as of a specific date. It is subject to change and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding the funds or any issuer or security in particular. The strategies discussed are strictly for illustrative and educational purposes and are not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or to adopt any investment strategy. There is no guarantee that any strategies discussed will be effective. This material contains general information only and does not take into account an individual's financial circumstances. This information should not be relied upon as a primary basis for an investment decision. Rather, an assessment should be made as to whether the information is appropriate in individual circumstances and consideration should be given to talking to a financial advisor before making an investment decision. New York Life Investments is a service mark and name under which New York Life Investment Management LLC does business. New York Life Investments is an indirect subsidiary of New York Life Insurance Company, New York, New York 10010, and provides investment advisory services and products. New York Life Distributors LLC is located at 30 Hudson Street, Jersey City, New Jersey, 07302. New York Life Distributors LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.